0: Each episode of Keys for SLPs has an accompanying audio course on speechtherapypd.com, registered for 0.1 ASHA CEUs. A special coupon code is available for listeners of this podcast. Type the word KEYS for $20 off an audio course subscription. This audio course subscription gives access to all existing and new audio courses from speechtherapypd.com. With more than 200 hours of audio courses on demand and new courses released weekly, it is only $59 per year with the code KEYS. Visit go.speechtherapypd.com slash KEYS for more information and start earning ASHA CEUs today. Hello, welcome to KEYS for SLPs, a weekly audio course and podcast from speechtherapypd.com, exploring keys for speech-language pathologists to better serve clients throughout the lifespan. I'm your host, Mary Beth Hines, SLP and Certified Orofacial Myologist experienced in rehab, outpatient, school, and private practice settings. As a curious SLP who embraces lifelong learning, I'm excited to discuss information to help you excel as a professional. Keys for SLPs brings you experts in the field of speech-language pathology, as well as collaborative professionals and caregivers, to discuss practical therapy strategies, research, challenges, triumphs, and career opportunities. Engage with a range of practitioners, from young innovators to pioneers in the field of speech-language pathology, as we discuss a wide variety of topics to help the inspired clinician thrive. Welcome to Keys for SLPs. Before we get started, here are the financial and non-financial disclosures. Mary Beth Hines is the host of the podcast Keys for SLPs and receives compensation from speechtherapypd.com. She is a member of ASHA Special Interest Groups 2 and 13 and the International Association of Oral Facial Myology. Jennifer Vroom receives compensation from speechtherapypd.com for this episode. She is the owner of Evoke Meditation and receives compensation for products and services. She is an independent contractor. Jennifer is a member of the American Speech Language Hearing Association. As a reminder, for this live episode, to get live CEUs, you must log into your SpeechTherapyPD.com account and complete the entire course content by the end of the day today. We are so excited about our episode today. Keys to the Clinician's Guide to Breathwork and Intro Course. I am honored to welcome back our guest Jennifer Vroom. Jennifer has been an active presenter on SpeechTherapyPD.com with webinars on teletherapy and self-care, and a recent podcast episode on mindfulness and meditation for SLPs. Jennifer graduated with an MS in Speech Pathology from UNC Chapel Hill in 2000. She has been working as a speech language pathologist for the past 21 years. Jennifer has worked across the continuum of care and has experience in a wide range of settings, including hospitals, home health, schools, skilled nursing facilities, and private practice clinics. Jennifer created a company called Vroom Speech Therapy, which specialized in corporate accent modification and public speaking skills, providing services for clients both in the U.S. and internationally. For the past six years, Jennifer has worked full-time providing tele-speech therapy for schools across the country. She is the founder of Evoke Meditation, an online platform that offers a variety of services and products for individuals who want to learn meditation. Jennifer loves being able to implement strategies from her mindfulness and meditation practice into her therapy sessions with clients. Today, Jennifer joins us for this live episode to discuss breathwork. And we are thrilled to try a demonstration-based format today. Jennifer will describe breathing techniques for participants, as well as their clients in therapy sessions, and actually guide us through these exercises. And so we've never done this before. It's always good to try something new, and we're really excited about it. Jennifer, thanks for joining us this evening.
1: Hi, Mary Beth. Thank you so much for inviting me back to your podcast. I'm really excited to be here tonight. And hello to everyone who's joining us here today or tonight, rather. I'm on the East Coast, so it's 8 p.m. here. I wanted to just express my appreciation to you, Mary Beth, for allowing me to first present on this topic, but do so in this unique way. It's different. (laughs) Yeah, where we get to do hands-on learning, practice together, and also, I just wanted to thank everyone for being a part of this conversation about just alternative ways we can support our clients, but also how we can improve our own well-being because that makes us better providers too. So we have to you know, take care of ourselves first, and then we can take care of others in a more effective way. So thank well, you thank so you. much. And thank
0: you, thank you for helping us get there. So, all right. Well, can you talk to us about the process of breathing and how it's able to reduce stress and anxiety?
1: for sure. So, I wanted to start out by just briefly reviewing the normal process of breathing. So, the normal process of breathing and how that works. Really, there are many different types of both normal and abnormal breathing patterns. But for today's purposes and our hour-long presentation, we're going to simplify everything. Okay, we don't need a whole anatomy course. So, we're just, so instead, how about we just focus on broad categories today? Inhalations exhalations, chest breathing, belly breathing. So those are the broad categories we'll really be talking about that play a pivotal role in how we breathe and also how we can change um, our levels of stress and anxiety. So the normal respiration process, if you remember back in school, it's called tidal breathing. That's where we're breathing in and out. It's a constant rate, constant volume. And the major respiratory muscle that drives our breathing is the diaphragm, which we all know and love. (laughs) But during normal inhalations, that diaphragm contracts and it flattens and it expands our belly or abdomen. Our chest also expands some as our lungs fill with air and our lower ribs move up and outwards. And that's our chest cavity receiving a generous supply of blood flow as well. So when we breathe out, The opposite happens. Our diaphragm relaxes, it rises into the rib cage, our belly moves back inwards, lungs deflate, blood flows out. But what we can do is I want you to start to think of inhalation as an active process. It requires energy, it requires work. The exhalation is considered a passive process where our diaphragm relaxes and returns back to baseline, so to speak. Traditionally, breathing was actually thought to be solely an automatic Involuntary process that was driven by the brain stem. But now, through updated research, what we're understanding is that there are other areas of brain involvement, the cortical limbic areas. And these are the areas of the brain that have to do with behavioral and emotional responses, namely those that are needed for, say, that fight or flight response. So, what we're understanding is that breathing is a unique process for our bodies. Because it can function either voluntarily or involuntarily. And even though we can't change, say, our heartbeat or our digestion on cue just by focused attention on these functions, we can deliberately change and regulate our breathing. And that has so many benefits for us. For example, it lowers and slows our heart rate, reduces our blood pressure, it changes something called HRV, which is heart rate variability that variation in time between each heartbeat, which helps our overall health. So in other words, purposely altering our breath by doing that, we have the ability to regulate our emotional, neurological, and physical state of being. So pretty big, just by breathing, changing our breathing. And that's why we're talking about it today. You know, our emotions just they have a direct impact on our physical bodies. It's something we don't think about often. But let's do that. Let's take a moment to think about it. Think about a moment where say you're feeling happy, calm, safe, relaxed. What is your breathing like in those moments? I mean, I would love for our chat to get a little busy here. I would love for some people to type in think about those moments just thinking about that it's reflected in our breathing so basically what you're going to see is slower deeper breaths right but when we look at the opposite situation think about what our breathing is like now if we're in an anxious or fearful situation what is our breathing like then think about a time maybe when you're presenting in front of a group right when you're <laughs> feeling right if you're feeling stressed out in any possible way aggravated what happens to our breath? It's the opposite. Your breath becomes fast, shallow, restricted, even ragged. Mm-hmm. So what happens in this kind of state of stress, we tend to overbreathe. breathe right. People breathe way too much in these situations. And we're also breathing through our chest. And in fact, in reality, many people are in the habit of breathing through their chest anyways on a daily basis. And the problem with that is when you're relying on chest breathing, you're activating these upper chest muscles. And it tends to your body up as if it's under stress or anxiety. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. So when we're breathing in this way, which for a lot of us, we've gotten in that bad habit of breathing in through our chest instead of our belly, we're stimulating the sympathetic nervous system. And we're keeping our body in this constant vicious cycle of stress because you have the stress or anxiety that initially causes that faster breathing, okay. but then the faster breathing creates more anxiety, and now you're in a cycle of stress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's part of that ancient built-in body defense mechanism. I mean, if hey, if you're about to be chased or eaten by a tiger it's a, it's a and you need to be can't. on guard, great. <laughs> it's a great thing to have. You need to be alert, ready to go. Shorter breathing helps. But in our everyday life, being in that sustained, constant fight or flight, it's unnecessary. And it's actually detrimental to our overall physical and mental health. So the way to counter that, how do we do it? Slow breathing, deep breathing through our belly at a rate of 4 to 10 breaths per minute. So the typical respiratory rate is 10 to 20 breaths per minute. So what we want to do is slow that down. Okay, so they're really less than half. Right. Four to 10. So anywhere within that range, that's below that typical respiratory rate of 10 to 12. Correct. The more you can do that and the more practice you get, the easier it is for you. But absolutely, the more you can do that, the better. And by purposely taking those long, deep inhalations through our belly and especially the exhalations, our diaphragm lowers. We allow more air into our lungs. We trigger the body's relaxation response, which gives us deeper rest alters our response to stress. And we see that lowering of blood pressure, releasing muscle tension. I'm just getting more and relaxed listening to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it.
1: But it's so interesting that you say that because,
0: you know, I'll go through the the bio, the disclosures, all that, you know, I'll practice ahead of time and I'm fine. And then when I'm in the um, recorded podcast, I read through it. It's fine. But when I'm in the live, I can literally like I sometimes last time I did this, I thought that maybe the audience could hear my heartbeat because my heart was so close. (laughs) I've got the headphones on. Anyway, so I definitely
1: feel it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely. I noticed that myself. I I check in with myself. Of course, I study this. I practice this regularly. But I do notice, and I, I think all of you could probably relate, that when you find yourself in any moment of stress or tension, you notice your body tensing up. And thinking about that exhale, as that parasympathetic response, helping your brain, your body to relax. That's something I want to encourage all of us to do more, just taking deeper breaths. And we're going to learn some specific exercises that will help with this. But, you know, these have been shown in research to help alleviate, alleviate symptoms related to depression, anxiety, insomnia, to name a few. And, and these, by the way, have not, there's, these aren't new exercises. I didn't make these up, guys, I wish. Uh, but these, these, are, these kinds of controlled focused breathing exercises have been practiced for thousands of years amongst various Eastern cultures where you either learn to observe your breath or deliberately regulate your breath. And if you've attended any yoga classes, Mary Beth, I know you for sure because yes. you're going through teacher training. Yes. Then you probably have heard of many of these yes. before. Well, so You haven't and, and made them, them up,
0: but you um, consolidated them and pre- are presenting them in a very concise way through the handout. And then also you have some downloadable links to some extensive information about these three exercises. So do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. So as you said, there is a handout that's already ready for you through Speech PD, Speech Therapy PD. And on that, it also has the website information. You can easily go there. I was going to remind you afterwards too, at the end of our session today, but there are downloadable handouts that I've created for you. They were just lengthy and I wanted to make sure you had all the information you could possibly use that would be helpful to you for your own use, as well as in therapy sessions. They'll list the benefits, they'll list the step-by-step instructions, both for adults and children. Um, and some will have visuals as well. Okay, great. And we'll talk about that more at the end, but I just did want to mention that because
0: um, absolutely you did such a good job for us. So, okay. So we know that these are great for us to use as therapists and as adults. And can you talk about how we would use them
1: not only with us, but with our clients? Absolutely. So again, I will definitely encourage you first and foremost, use them for yourself, try them out. They're just so great as a self-care practice. Um, I use them almost always at the beginning of my meditations, in fact, or just for a mindful break in the day, anytime I need it, especially before starting my therapy sessions, just so I'm more clear-minded and focused. So think about how you could maybe incorporate them into your own day. But um, as far as using them in therapy sessions, it's these are so helpful. I've been using these throughout the span of my career, in fact, since grad school when I first learned belly breathing. And I've used them especially with the more traditional applications initially, like clients who have voice disorders of any type, dysphagia in swallowing therapy, developmental stuttering, for example. For today's purposes, though, I want to... Continue that on to show how we can expand the use, how we can use these breathing techniques for students, say, with anxiety issues in our sessions, right? And what we can do to help them reduce that so that they can focus in our session. How we can help students calm when faced with any moment of upset, frustration, or stress. And that could be a variety of students, maybe all of every- our students.
0: <laughs> right, right. Could be everybody. And get, get back into therapy, which is why, you know, if you're in a school setting, that's why they're being pulled out of class or you know if it, if you're in a private practice that's why they came to you so you want to make the most of your therapy time so i know sometimes we feel like oh i can't you know take time to do mindfulness because i only have 30 minutes to be with this child but if you're but if a few minutes of mindfulness and meditation is going to make the rest of the session effective then
1: you have proven it's worth Such a great point. I mean, I think about it the same as when we're doing rapport building. That's an important part of the session that I incorporate at the beginning of every session. And I don't think I don't take that lightly, those five minutes or however much time I need to spend doing that to check in and make sure that the plan I came up with is still an appropriate plan for that session too, or maybe do I need to pivot based on how they're feeling that day or what they're going through if something came up, or I can use that as a teachable moment. This is important too, to help them refocus, get them in a good situation. And we usually need it in somewhere in the middle of the session because it can come up at any point in time. So we need to have some strategies that can help get them back on track. So as you said, We can make the most of the rest of the activities that we have and really target those goals. And I mean, even for someone, a student who becomes overstimulated, say, these kinds of breathing techniques help to de-excite them and calm them so they can focus. For example, students anywhere on the AU spectrum, anywhere, I've used them with all different students, students with emotional behavioral issues, um, clients with, say, social or communication anxiety of all ages. So. They're very helpful. Great.
0: Okay. So I know you've used them a lot. Can you think of like one or two specific examples where they were particularly effective with
1: clients? Absolutely. The one that always comes to mind, because it was just so effective, is I had a student this past year, middle schooler. He um, was a younger middle schooler, end of his elementary school age, and he had a combination of apraxia of speech and expressive language issues. And he would become extremely frustrated at times, pretty frequently initially as I started working with him, when I asked him to repeat anything when he wasn't understood. And that could really just lead to a meltdown in which he was crying, raising his voice, he was unable to participate. And so we had to figure out something that could help him to get back on track. And that could help maybe even prevent those moments from getting um, to that meltdown mode. So What I did is I taught him how to um, choose from a menu, different calming strategies. First, we had to learn what they were, how to use them. Oh, that's great. I love the menu idea. Absolutely. I used every single opportunity in my session to use language, choice-making, helping with their motivation, anything we can do. And I like giving at least two to three choices. Again, you know, that's one idea, depending on how you want to use it with your students. But breathing was always one of those strategies because it's so easy to use and easy to teach. And he often would choose that as his go-to calming strategy. And so that really helped. Him. I mean, I ended up teaching his parents and that other team members to also use these same strategies with the visuals that I um, was implementing with him. Oh, that's great. Okay, well, you know what? Let's dive in. So, what is the first
0: breathing exercise you'll be guiding us through?
1: Perfect. So, the first technique we'll review today is diaphragmatic breathing. And I know many of you may already know this technique, however, I'm always surprised at how many people either don't know it or don't use it. So I just want to be sure I cover it today for this introduction to breath work. And in fact, if I only taught you one breathing technique today, this would be the one because it is the foundation for all other breathing techniques. We use belly breathing in combination with most other focused breathing exercises and It's great for pretty much all ages, super easy to use, super easy to teach. And just there's so many benefits to belly breathing. So it reduces stress because when you use your diaphragm, you're activating your vagus nerve. And as we We know, that's responsible for triggering that body's relaxation response through your parasympathetic nervous system, lowering your body stress response and those harmful effects of cortisol. Belly breathing also helps to lower heart rate, blood pressure. It improves your respiratory capacity and efficiency. So you're actually expending less energy and slowing your rate of breathing. It even improves core muscle stability. So, hey, if you do any exercise or movement, it lowers your chance for injury. By the way, I'll just throw that in there too. (laughs) It's another added (laughs) benefit.
0: (laughs) Another added
1: benefit. And to me, one of the most important ones, it makes our communication more effective. I mean, one of the main goals for our clients is effective and intelligible communication. And one of the simple strategies that I teach for clear speech that we can use is just a louder vocal volume, one that's obviously appropriate for whatever setting they're in, but um, being able to do that without straining our vocal cords or resulting in glottal fry because we've run out of air, um, which is damaging. So instead, we just learn to take in more oxygen with belly breathing. and so. I say, let's start to prepare for one of our hands-on instructions okay. here, but while we talk about the diaphragm. So now I'm going to follow
0: along. So for those watching live, you will see me, but I'm going to mute myself. So you don't actually hear my breathing, especially when we're, um, our other pl- podcast platforms. <laughs> so I'm going to mute myself and then I will um, come
1: back after. Okay, go ahead. Sounds great. So just to talk about the diaphragm, cause I'm mentioning this word, but some Sometimes there's confusion on what it is or where we can find it. So the diaphragm is a muscle that sits beneath your lungs, just under your sternum of your rib cage. In fact, go ahead, place one hand on this area. It's the upper part of your belly above your belly button. Let's place our other hand on our chest. And let's take a few deep breaths in and out on your own. And I want you to start to notice Which one of your hands moves the most? Is it the one on your chest or on your belly? Really, they should both move, but as we talked about with chest breathers, oftentimes we're breathing more through our chest, and so we feel that movement there until we've retrained ourselves to become a belly breather. So go ahead and rest your hands down for a minute. To
0: answer your question, I think I cheated. (laughs) Because (laughs) you knew what was coming. No, at first (laughs) when you said take a deep breath, I my chest went way out. And then when you asked the question, I'm like, oh yeah. So in full disclosure, okay, I'm muting myself again. (laughs)
1: Love it, love it. And same, you know, even me who teaches and uses this on a daily basis and throughout my day, when I first sit down, as you're first getting settled oftentimes you're breathing more through your chest. And then it's that conscious and deliberate focus down to our belly, which is what we're going to practice. Um, But humans really, we're natural belly breathers. Think about when you've watched a baby breathing while it sleeps. So cute. Its belly is moving up and down, but it's just that across time we've gotten in the habit of breathing through our chest. So it's an inefficient way to breathe. So that's why we want to learn and retrain ourselves into this belly breathing. So Let's try this exercise again, one hand on your chest, one hand on your diaphragm, that upper part of your belly. And this time we will deliberately try to keep our chest movements to a minimum while instead focusing on and engaging our core, trying to move that belly outwards, almost perpendicular to our chest as we're breathing in. Okay. So make sure you're sitting upright. I like to instruct that to put your feet flat on the ground, just to give yourself stability. One hand on your chest, one hand on your diaphragm. Gently close your mouth. Let's try breathing in and out through our nose. So take a couple of deep breaths just on your own, in and out. And then when you're ready, on your next inhale, focus your attention on your abdominal muscles, allowing them to expand outward as you breathe in. Your hand rises And as you exhale, allow your belly to deflate, releasing out all the air. So notice your hands moving out as you breathe in. It moves in as you breathe out. Just keep going. Try it for about three to five breaths on your own. Nice and slow. Trying to lengthen your inhales and extend your exhales. And when you're done with three to five breaths, just rest your hands down in your lap and relax and return to your normal breath.
0: And unmute yourself. you're me.
1: <laughs> and unmute yourself. <laughs> that felt great. And it's so easy. And you can repeat this, I say, for one to five minutes initially. Start slower and with a less amount of time. Increase your time as you become more comfortable with it. But this is a technique you can take anywhere with you. And hey, if you're outside in public doing this, you know, maybe don't put your hands on your stomach and your (laughs) chest unless you feel comfortable, who cares? But otherwise, you can really take it wherever you go. Okay, great. Now, how would you do this differently?
0: How would you instruct this differently with um, a child or a teenager or
1: a young adult? Sure. If you're dealing with a teenager, I'd probably teach it the same way, but... There's a really fun technique, and I've actually used it with both adults and children with all ages. So this one's called the breathing buddy exercise. And so if your student or your client feels comfortable enough to do so, you can give them that option of sitting up or lying down. They can lie down on their back on a yoga or a nap mat. For this exercise. And what they get to do, what's fun, they can pick their favorite toy or stuffed animal that can sit on their belly. So, what a fun, motivating way to teach this. So, you have them pick, and maybe every session, if you were using this, each time they get to choose a different toy, maybe a choice between two or three. So, you're working on language too. And then you have them lie back, place the toy right on their belly, make sure it's not something too heavy, please. <laughs> so, a light toy. <laughs> and then have them. Focus their gaze on the toy as they breathe in through their nose. They can see that toy rise up as they breathe out. They can see if they can lower it down without letting it fall. And so that's kind of a fun exercise for them. And they can just repeat it up to a minute or even four to ten breaths. And again, you know, you can incorporate so many expressive language activities, have them describe the toy after the breathing exercise is done. You can also use this with adults, as I said. Um, I've even had them use a light book to put on their belly and have them lie down on the ground. And you'll have to figure out if this is appropriate for, first of all, the particular client or student. And also, do you have the space for it? Do you have uh, the appropriate assistance as needed, especially if you're doing telespeech, make sure there's someone there to assist. You've got two different versions to use. So it gives you a lot of leeway for different ages. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, can you use the, if you don't have a, a space for the child to lie down on the floor or on a mat, Can you still use the belly buddy when they're sitting up?
1: it'd be hard to do that only because they probably have to hold it but honestly I say there's no stopping you you can be as creative as you want to if they wanted to even hold it maybe in their hand just to think creatively it could they could still watch it moving in and out and even sit them next to maybe a mirror if that's possible so they can watch it going out and in so I say just be as creative as you can with it to make it fun and exciting for for your students especially as they're younger but sitting up is Absolutely fine. The sitting up method you can do actually with all ages. Okay. And
0: how much education do you provide? Um, not probably not with the kids, but if you have an adult client, do you talk a lot about the diaphragmatic breathing with them?
1: I do. When it comes to adult clients, I like to educate them. You know, it, again, it depends on what their diagnosis what right. diagnosis is, what you're working on, and also their level of motivation to know about mm-hmm. every right. detail. So Some I'm people you're right. are more curious. <laughs> yeah, but I do. I even I will tell you actually, even with my students who are like the middle school age through high school. I really do like to make them aware of why we're doing anything that we do in therapy. I want them to know so that they can take ownership over it and we'll get more follow through. Excellent.
0: Okay. So number two.
1: Great. So the second technique we're going to use is called box breathing or square breathing. And being an army brat myself, I love the background of how this method came into being. It was developed by a man named Mark Devine, and he was a Navy SEAL who developed this practice on his own to help him during SEALs training. So I'm not sure if most of you are aware of what's involved with Navy SEALs training. You've probably seen it in movies. That's the only way I know because I haven't been through it. But he needed a way, obviously, to achieve a calm body, but an alert and focused state of mind while undergoing extreme physical and psychological challenges. And so this technique it has several benefits that are similar to the other breathing techniques that we're learning so not only does it calm and regulate your autonomic nervous system stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system all these big words right. which basically means it makes you feel calm and relaxed. Right, right, right. <laughs> Right. Lowers cortisol, lowers blood pressure, increases oxygen intake. It improves your mood. And then, of course, why he was using it also improving focus, clarity, and decision making. But this is actually a technique that's now being taught to and used by top performers, people in high stress situations or jobs like soldiers, police officers, nurses, medical prof- professionals, and other athletes to help them heighten their performance improve concentration, relieve stress, and keep them feeling grounded, ready for anything. Great. So and when did Mark Devine develop this? This was developed while he was actually undergoing his training, while he was in SEALs training. And then when he graduated, he wanted to continue it. And so he actually teaches this now to various professionals who want to learn this technique because it's so simple and it helped him. He has a lot of credibility, I would say, in its use. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Do you, do you know like when that was? Like 80s, 90s, 2000s? I'm or... trying
1: to think. You know, actually, I would have to look that up. That's, I don't that's remember okay. the year. That's okay. Yeah, that's, that's a, a great question though. Yeah.
0: But it's a relatively newer technique.
1: It is. And it's now really widely accepted. You'll see um, a lot of literature out there. And I was going to point out too, if you are looking through the literature regarding this particular technique, you will see sometimes that there are some sites that instruct you to exhale through your mouth. But the creator Mark Devine himself, he said, when we box breathe, we do so through our nose. Because it slows down that breathing rhythm and stimulates the vagus nerve more when we're breathing through our nose versus our mouth. If for any of these breathing exercises, however, as you get started, if you're having trouble breathing only through your nose for whatever reason, if you're feeling shortness of breath, do what you need to do. Return always to your normal breathing or use mouth breathing um, to exhale if you need to. But I will say, if you can get to the point where you're breathing in and out through your nose, that's what we're striving for. Okay. All right, so <laughs> we're going to dive right into our practice of the boxer square breathing. And by the way, it's called boxer square breathing because there are four steps to this. We breathe in for a count of 4, hold our breath for a count of 4, exhale for a count of 4, and hold again for a count of 4. And what happens is we'll repeat this sequence. We'll start up to four times for our first sitting. And then as you continue on with this practice, you can increase the length of your sittings. But we, again, we have equal counts for our inhalations and our exhalations, as well as that interrupted or held breath in between. And it's meant to be a calming and balancing technique for resetting your breath, okay? Okay. And in fact, on your handout because i love visuals i'm a visual learner most of my students are also visual learners and so i think that way i think in pictures <laughs> like a lot of my um, a lot of my students with autism we all think in pictures so i have created actually some visuals on the handouts for you that you could use and it has actually the picture of the square you'll see there with the the count
0: okay great all right well i'm going to mute myself again so i can follow
1: your instructions Great. All right. So we are going to start by sitting up right again in our chair. You are, you guys are already doing it, but I always give that instruction first. Just allow your hands to rest gently in your lap. Let's go ahead and gently close our mouth. We're going to be breathing in and out of our nose. So go ahead and take a deep breath in through our nose and out through our nose, exhaling completely. And on your next breath, inhale for a count of four, two, three. Four. Hold your breath for a count of four, two, three, four. Exhale for four, two, three, four. Hold for four, two, three, four. Keep going. Inhale for four, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. One more. Inhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. And release, inhaling deeply, exhaling fully, and return to your normal breath and relax. I love that one. It's a great one. I actually have grown to love this one and I use it a lot and I use variations of it. Um, I won't be going over that today, but um, there are so many different counts you can do with counted breaths, focused breathing um, that I love to do at the beginning of my meditations or just again, like I said, throughout my day or even before I get out of bed, I might just do that or before I go to sleep and it helps me to get better rest. That visual really helps with
0: it too, because I know sometimes we're practicing these breathing exercises and it's easy to get distracted, you know, but with that visual it so keeps you grounded in the exercise. So true. So true. All right. So how would this
1: vary with kids? Sure. So with this particular technique, we're using that held breath. And most of the literature and even the creator himself, Mark Devine, said that this breathing technique is appropriate for almost all ages. However, when it comes to that breath retention, there are some places like the Yoga Institute, for example, that doesn't recommend breath retention exercises for children under the age of 12. They're not referring specifically to box breathing, but to these controlled yogic breathing exercises with breath retention because they're considered to be a more advanced type of controlled breathing that aren't really suitable for young children and their maturity level. Um, So you'll see on the handouts, I've also taken that precaution and advised to limit this to children who are 12 or older. So keeping this in mind, you could use this method that we just practiced with your student offering the visuals of the square that I have on your handouts. It has the typed instruction, but I find the visuals to be very helpful as well. I always imagine it in my own mind when I'm doing it too. And also, when you have the visual, it creates that total sensory experience for your children. It makes it a little more fun. It gets them more engaged. They can take their finger and even follow along or take the mouse and follow along as they're doing it. Um, So they're getting kinesthetic, tactile experience while also listening to the instructions. So that could be very helpful. You'll also see on the handout, I put a triangle shape. I mean, the possibilities are endless really with this, right? But here, instead of the square method, you could use a triangle where there's the three breath with a three count. So inhale one side, hold one side, and then it closes off with the exhale one side for three counts. And then I'm going to show you one other method because I just love this one and it's good for all ages, I think, especially with younger kids. And this is the five finger method. So this one uses a continuous breath, no breath holds. And so then you could use it with any age. And you also don't need a handout. So all you need is one hand held up, one finger to trace on your opposite hand. Actually, I'm going to put up my good hand. (laughs) It's
0: like a good side in a picture. You have
1: a good hand. I've never heard
0: that. I love it. It's a long story, but I do actually have a good hand. That's wonderful. I love, I love it. I don't be able to be no. like distracted. I, I want to do this this five finger, but what is wrong with her hand? Okay. Oh, so here's my hand.
1: So, so everybody hold up your good hand. Yes. <laughs> and then use your other hand to bring your pointer finger up. What we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be tracing our fingers one at a time on the outstretched palm with our pointer finger on the opposite hand as we breathe in and out. So as you breathe in, we're going to trace up a finger and as you breathe out, you'll trace down that same finger and we'll repeat for all five fingers for a total of five deep breaths. So we just gently closing our mouth and lips, go ahead and take one breath in and out of our nose. And then when you're ready, holding that pointer finger up, go ahead and start maybe at your wrist and start going, breathing in and moving that finger all the way up one finger At the top, start to exhale as you trace it down, and then keep going. Breathing in as we move up a finger, breathe out as we move down. Keep going deep breaths in and out of your nose, breathing in, moving up the finger. Keep going until you've traced down all your fingers, and once you've finished, rest your hands down. And so you get five deep, slow breaths there, which is great. I think that is really
0: good for kids because they know the beginning and the end, you know, sometimes, exactly. especially with attention issues, they're going to get distracted. But just, you know, knowing that they have five, five fingers and, and five breaths and five inhalations, five exhalations, that's a really good one.
1: And it, they can take it with them wherever they go. They're getting that tactile experience as well. It's super easy. You can also think about setting a timer or having some kind of count for those other types um, that we went over if, like you said, for the clarity of when is this finished, how many do I have to do? And so giving those clear instructions, I think is always helpful to eliminate behaviors, right? Because when they know what to expect, it just helps them feel safer, more comfortable and in control. So I would definitely um, encourage you to think creatively, think outside of the box for the box strategy. Right, (laughs) right. That was was bad. (laughs) Well, I do think also the five finger is a good
0: one to teach the kids who are anxious as an anxiety Strategy, um, whether they use it on the playground or in, in public, or, you know, at home or whatever. But they, as you said, they always have their hands, and um, that's something that they can do very subtly. No one needs to know what they're doing. They're just tracing their fingers on one hand one time and
1: just. A really good point, because as you said, they can take it with them wherever they go without having to have that visual. If you didn't have that handout, but they really rely on that, what are they going to do? So this is a a nice, easy way to still have it right there with them. Take it with them wherever they go. That's great. Okay. So you have one more for us? I sure do. So our last and third exercise that we'll be going through today is alternate nostril breathing. And this is a type of focused breathing technique where you deliberately regulate the flow of air through each of your nostrils, one side at a time for your inhalations and your exhalations. Um, The traditional name for this, this is a yogic breathing technique, So the traditional name is in Sanskrit, and it's called Nadi Shodana, And that literally translates to clearing or purifying the channels, which I love. And so in, in addition to those same benefits as all the other breathing exercises, we've gone over reduction in anxiety, stress, lower heart rate, lower blood pressure, improving lung and respiratory function. This particular exercise also helps to improve balance between your two brain hemispheres, So what happens when we're balancing the breath between our nostrils, you're allowing equal oxygen to both sides of your brain, and that leads to improved functioning. It's a great exercise to use, especially when your energy is dipping and you need a quick boost of clarity, focus, performance. Um, It's also a technique that's helpful, helpful for calming and grounding you if you're feeling anxious or overwhelmed. In fact, I know some doctors who said they routinely use this to help calm new patients when they first come into the ER. Oh,
0: really? I'll have to tell my
1: brother. My brother is an ER doctor. I'll I'll have
0: to give him your handouts and give him a little tutorial. (laughs)
1: Fantastic. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It just gives the... not only with the um, all the benefits we talked about, just physiologically and neurologically, but also just for our mind, we're giving it a different point of focus. When we're focused on worrisome thoughts. It's hard to get out of our head when we give a person or ourselves a new point of focus, which is this breathing with very specific instructions. Right, right. We now can't focus on all that other stuff that's going on. Exactly. So it gives us clarity of mind. There, um, I've even seen this technique posted actually on a firefighter's website, where it's an effective technique to help them feel clear, calm, balanced, re-energized. Well, isn't so, that interesting and so important for them uh, when they're on their way to any
0: emergency? Um that's something they for can sure. th- they do for quickly sure. to gain that clarity. So all right, well let's yes. dive in. Wonderful.
1: Okay. I'm gonna mute so myself this-
0: again because if I'm breathing out of alternate nostrils, you might my- <laughs>
1: Go. And I will go ahead and warn you for this particular one. One precaution I was going to list later, but I'll tell you now is you might want to have tissues handy. Okay. <laughs> and it's helpful Actually, for I this one. I know it's a little that. late, but <laughs> oh yeah, you have them. Um, it's helpful to blow your nose before you do this technique. So if you have a quick moment to do that, go for it. But I'll go ahead and start walking you through. And what I'm going to do is I will teach you the same method I would use with a student, a younger child or anyone that's maybe not an adult, just because we're on a podcast and the advanced version really benefits you from being able to see what I'm doing with my fingers when you're learning this for the first time. So instead, we're going to simplify it, but if you would like to see the advanced version and try it, I actually have a video I created on my website. I have a breathing course there for you guys. I also included a picture with step-by-step instructions on the adult version in your free handout. So you can feel free to check that out and try it another time. But for today, we're going to do the child-friendly or any age version, which is called One Nostril Breathing. Perfect, perfect. And thank you for including both of those. That's very helpful. Okay. Absolutely. I'm going to mute myself again. (laughs) Great. Thank you. All right, so for this exercise, we will be closing off one nostril at a time with our index finger. And we're going to be breathing out of the opposite or open nostril. What we'll do is we'll breathe out of a nostril and then in that same nostril. Then we switch to close the opposite nostril, breathe out. Breathe in. It doesn't matter which pointer finger you use, you can use your good hand, whichever one, (laughs) whichever one you prefer. And it also doesn't matter which side you start on, which nostril you close first. Okay? So we'll have we'll do equal sides. So to begin, sitting upright, let's just take a couple of deep breaths in and out of our nose. Lips are closed very lightly and without pinching off yet. And then when you're ready. Okay, we're going to hold up our index finger, take a deep breath in, pause at the top, go ahead and press one nostril closed with your pointer finger, breathe out of your open nostril slowly and completely. Then breathe in through the same nostril. At the top, switch your index finger to the opposite nostril, breathe out slowly. Once you've exhaled fully, Breathe in through the same nostril, simply switch and repeat. So we always breathe out first of the new nostril, then breathe in, switch your finger, breathing out, breathing in. Last one, switch one more time, breathe out, breathe in. When you're done, release, allow your normal breath to return, rest your hands in your lap. So it's recommended for this one that you um, start with no more than one to two minutes, or you could say five to 10 cycles as you get started. Again, that's just a guideline. Figure out what's going to work best for you, or if you're using it with a your own child or a client, again, start slow and build as you go. And for all of these, by the way, you can have your eyes open or closed. It doesn't matter. Okay. Okay, and I know uh, in
0: in-person sessions, we usually use hand sanitizer at the beginning of the session, but probably wouldn't hurt to just use it again right before they're touching their nose. Um, a in, great in our idea climate,
1: right? Absolutely, absolutely. So
0: I guess that would be maybe a little contraindication. Can you tell us are there any other contraindications for using these in general and then for using them in therapy?
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you. So these breathing techniques, really, all of them should be safe for most healthy people and for most ages. I already went over some of the restrictions as far as age goes. If you have a client, though, who has chronic respiratory conditions or cardiovascular conditions, especially for the breath retention exercises, or if you're just unsure if a client or yourself are a good candidate for any of the exercises, of course, we would say consult a healthcare professional first before implementing these. So please always err on the side of caution if you're not sure. But they really should be safe for most people. Um, we also talked about how slower or deeper breathing can help with anxiety, depression, or other conditions. But I'm going to make sure I say that it's not suggesting that these are self-treating kinds of strategies to use and also that you wouldn't limit treatment to only these breathing exercises. Of course, these are things that would be supplemental. At this time, it's not determined that these are sufficient if used only for um, treatment. So just be cautious of that, of course, as with anything. Um, Also, just never overdo it. Don't force any breathing exercise. Anytime you feel uncomfortable, lightheaded, have shortness of breath, just any kind of difficulty, resume your natural breath. Just take it easy. Start slow. And if you notice yourself tensing up, try lengthening your exhales. Remember, that's the relaxation response we're hitting when we do that. So I'd say you have to give it some time. You know, So start, again, limiting the amount of time you start with. Increase it as you go, as you become more confident.
0: Now, do you ever demonstrate these or do them for you know two or three minutes in therapy and then give them longer exercises to do as home assignments? Or do you usually keep it for the home assignment to whatever you did in therapy?
1: I usually do exactly what you said, second option, where I teach it and I have them, I would probably advise them to stick with what we have done already in therapy, what I know they're able to handle, but I mean, if the parents want to try out and they feel like it's safe for the child to try longer and, the, and maybe the student or whoever your client is, wh- whatever age, feels like they want to expand on that, I'm more than happy to have them do that. But I usually, just like with actually anything that I teach in therapy... I usually just give them step-by-step step things that they can expand on as we do this together. But yeah, I don't think there would be any harm in having them try to expand that on their own. So really just you, have to you just it treat this your- like any
0: other therapy technique where you're you're not I going really to give do. it to them for homework, of course, unless they
1: they've mastered it in the session or at least 80%. That's exactly right. I really want to help make sure that I've taught them in a way, so I'm not just giving it to the parents to, here you go, take a handout, try it on your own, and then let's see how it goes. I want to make sure that I'm giving enough support to everyone so that they feel successful, because the I know that these strategies are very helpful, but if they give up on it because they were confused on it, they didn't know how to correctly implement it that could happen. And I want to make sure I'm giving them as much success as possible and taking the stress out of it. The whole point is to take the (laughs) stress out of it. Yeah. So, but that's a really great question. I like that. And in fact, thinking about that too, I always practice these beforehand, right? Like any behavioral technique, just remember, we're not going to wait till there's that stressful moment. And, oh yeah, I took a great breathing course. Let's try it now. We want to make sure that we um, prepare in advance. And we allow plenty of repeated opportunities for teaching and practicing while they're calm so that when there's a moment of upset, now we can try to implement some of, some of these techniques. Um, but just make sure that you've tried it yourself. You um, start teaching and giving that support well in advance. Okay. okay.
0: We have a few questions here. Is it okay Great. to go into questions now? I think so. I think it's perfect timing. Okay. I didn't find the diagrams on the handout I downloaded. It seems you could have even more literal visual if the inhalation is going up the side of the box. Holding is across the top, exhaling is down the other side of the box, and the hold is across the bottom.
1: And so absolutely, this is just a quick visual that I put together here for you. I will also let you know there are so many wonderful resources too. Hopefully, you'll find the ones that I provided for you helpful to an extent. But, you know, everyone has different preferences. And I will say there are even videos out there, which are really fun. Um, so you, again, can just do a quick search for any of these for extra visuals if you'd like those. But you're right. I mean, that's what came in my mind. And that's why I created that. But you could also even, you, maybe even with your student would be a fun thing to do. They could even help to create a visual together. That could be a fun activity. But there's, so, there's like no end to where we could go with those. But for sure, there could be improvements on different visuals that you could use. And again, like I said, there's some videos that are really fun to use, especially depending on the age of the student. Yep. yep. You could actually even use
0: a 3D box um, for the box breathing. Of course, then there would be more sides, but you could get creative with that. Um, Okay, here's another question. Can you please speak a little more about how the alternate nostril method
1: balances brain hemispheres? Sure. It all has to do with actually our inhalations and our exhalations. When we're breathing in through one nostril, say our right nostril, then that is actually um, affecting the opposite side of our brain. And so and in fact, it's kind of an interesting fact, but I can't remember the number of minutes, but every so many minutes in the day, the dominant nostril switches. In fact, this is just helping us to purposely help to balance each side of our brain where oxygen is being delivered. So it's it's giving that more equal time for that dominance in a short period of time, basically. but we do actually switch back and forth. Now that can obviously be affected if we're having any breathing issues. And also the great thing about this is we're again also affecting or using rather our belly breathing because we're combining it with that for that relaxation effect too, which also bring delivers more oxygen in general. So we've got kind of a multi, effect here that's happening with both the deep belly breathing as well as purposely delivering or focusing the oxygen to one side of the brain at a time and doing it in an even way.
0: Okay. Now with your students, do you teach one method and then just depends upon the student individually I would I would assume, but you teach one method, do that for a few weeks and teach another, or for some do you just stick with one that works throughout the year, what, what do you tend to do?
1: Sure. It depends on the student. But one tip I would say for sure, like anything else, we want to give it enough time. So I would say when you're teaching it, make sure that you've tried it several times, not just once, unless they're really opposed to doing maybe a particular technique. For example, not all students might be open to doing the one nostril technique right? Some students, they take themselves very seriously. Right, right, they right. Be. <laughs> and even I'm though I think I not right? I mean, I'm, I'm in my 40s, and I think it's completely fun. But hey, okay. you know, and then I have some students who are high schoolers that love it. And then I have some elementary schoolers who think it's, you know, I'm, I'm too serious for this. So um, that might not be the one for them. So it really just depends on the student. But so I, I would say, let them choose some, but yeah, you have to teach them first. So I would choose maybe one that you would start with would be diaphragmatic breathing. I would always start with that one. I think that's the easiest and maybe the counted breath and then go from there. And then you can alternate with the, the nostril breathing or other types of methods. But I would choose what you think based on what you know about a particular student. If you're not sure, again, belly breathing is like the easiest possible one we could teach. And that's good for pretty much everybody, any age. So yeah, you're just going to have to try it out and see how they respond, I would say. But do allow them some time to practice it and see if it really is effective before we give up on one too. Do you ever assign them teaching the
0: exercises to either siblings, parents, or maybe even a class,
1: if that's appropriate? I've never had them teach a whole class, but I love that idea. I love it. I definitely have them, again, incorporating language into this. I have them teach it to me. So I love letting them be teacher for a minute. And it practices them retelling, recalling, um, following directions, giving directions. So that's a great one. Sequencing, using language in full sentences to tell me each step, sequencing, putting things in order. So, So many things you could do with these techniques that are fun. That's great.
0: All right. Well, I don't think we have any other questions. How about working with adults, though? Have you used these specifically with adults in therapy? Or have you have you? I know you're not really working with directly with adults now. So in the past, were you working in mindfulness and meditation when you were working with adults? And did you use these then?
1: I did. I did use these some, I will say the alternated nostril, the alternate nostril rather, um, not as much as the diaphragmatic breathing. I used a Ton. and definitely the counts as well. The counted breaths are just an easy way, but all of them are great. That this The alternate nostril breathing, I really um, haven't used with adults just because like you said, I actually have been working with kiddos um, for the past several years and so just hadn't had the opportunity as much anymore unless I'm teaching someone meditation and mindfulness specifically. I've been working mostly for the past several years with Children from elementary school through high school. So that's been most of my more recent experience. But in the past, absolutely, I would definitely incorporate lots of breathing techniques for sure for multiple things, Um, not just for the calming strategies, but that too, that too. But also for voice, as I said, in my swallowing therapy and other types of things, I would definitely incorporate these as well.
0: And with swallowing, was that to get them in the therapeutic mindset? Or to
1: actually help them with the swallow? It's actually to help them with the swallow, but it has so many benefits that that also helps too because without them knowing it it's helping to calm them and prepare them because when you know you're having issues with swallowing that's going to make you more anxious when it comes to eating so that definitely helped and again that's something you can absolutely let your clients know too to help educate them on how this helps if they're if they're open to it depending on their cognitive state depending on their willingness their motivation to learn about the specifics
0: okay wonderful All right. So everyone who's listening tonight through speechtherapypd.com, they were able to get the handouts and then there are the links to the handouts on your site. But if someone is listening in the future on a different platform, they wouldn't have the handouts. So do you mind sharing your um, evoke meditation information so they can reach you and get those handouts?
1: Absolutely. So I'm going to keep those available On my site, for anyone who watches this and wants to download, there are more full-length detailed handouts on each of the three breathing techniques that we covered today. So you'll have all of the information there, benefits, step-by-step, adult and child-friendly instructions, the precautions, and some of the visuals that I included. Uh, My website where you can download these is called evokemeditation.com. That's E-V as in Victor. O K-E, evoke meditation.com. And the site will also be listed on that speech PD handout. I'm not sure if that's that will be available to anyone who listens in the future, but um, again, just go to my website and you'll definitely get those free downloads. It's an immediate download. You'll see multiple places. I tried to make it super Thank easy you. for you to find <laughs> on my website too. Um, and you know, if you're interested, I I am a person who loves multimedia. So I like video. I like audio. And I I know there are a lot of you out there too. So as I was preparing for the podcast, I just went full bore and I created a whole course. By the oh, way. you did! Because <laughs> that's what I do. So I wanted to make sure if there was someone like me who just loves to dive deep, I included video and audio lessons for not only these three techniques you learned today, but also three additional breathing techniques. So if you wanted to learn more for yourself for your clients, um, there's an online portal now on my website. You can look for more information if you're interested. It's called the Breathing Room and You know, I just I want you guys to take with you today the thought that when you take control over your breathing, you're taking back control of your life, you're improving your sense of calm and overall well being. And you're giving yourself room to breathe. And it just takes five short minutes or less. So there's really no reason to give this a try and just start implementing some simple strategies. Well, that is very inspiring.
0: And um, at the start of a new academic year i know there's a, a lot of uh, stress so it's great to have these techniques and you know sometimes i kind of feel like the start of a new academic year is kind of like the new year um it's always good to start something new in september and we're almost there so that would be is a good time of year now i do know that you also offer personal mentoring Coaching of mindfulness and meditation. So, for those people who are listening who want even more, they could also go to Evoke Meditation. Is that right?
1: Absolutely, yes. I there are many different ways that you can learn. Um, I have the pre-recorded courses. I also offer live coaching for one-on-one and actually as you take some of my courses i'll even have zoom meetings where we can meet just to make sure you're getting some assistance along the way and that support but feel free. Anyone who has further questions, I would love to answer them. You can reach out to me through my websites the easiest way, honestly, because you can you can just email me there. I read and respond to all the emails. I'm also starting the new school year with a new caseload. So I may not get to you right away, <laughs> right. but I will get to <laughs> as you as soon as I can. I promise.
0: Oh, well, Jennifer, thank you so much. This has been so helpful. And I do hope that you'll come back in 2022 um, for another course with us. Um, I know I think you might have some other webinars in in process, but um, I would love for you to come back for another podcast next year. That would be great.
1: I would love that as well. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, everybody who's come to participate today. We really appreciate it.
0: Well, it's so helpful and we appreciate you helping us. So, all right. Well, everybody have a great evening and thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Good night. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us here at Keys for SLPs, providing keys to open new doors to better serve our clients throughout the lifespan. Remember to go to speechtherapypd.com to learn more about earning Asha CEUs for this episode and all podcasts offered by speechtherapypd.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Mary Beth Hines. Keep up the good work.